0: Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife. He's James Hardigan. Happy International Nurses Day, Joe. I'm a big fan of nurses for both what they do on and off the felt. Well, not the felt, but, you know, what they do in their jobs. They're awesome. And if you've ever run into a nurse in a bar or a nightclub, they are really, really awesome fun people to hang with
1: i love the fact that as this is a poker themed podcast we have to assume that everyone is at the felt regardless (laughs) of their profession um look we saluted the midwives last week this week all about the nurses
0: happy to do it coming up on today's show we're doing another reedy and i'm not just talking about needing to use subtitles on every single tv show out there i am talking books we are talking books or one book specifically It's called We Run Bad by John Curry, and John is the guest on today's show. This week's superfan is another John, without an H, John Delano, a.k.a. Delano, and we will be (laughs) going head-to-head, he will be going head-to-head with me on We Run Bad Trivia. Yeah,
1: a bit of Um, a theme to this podcast, you may have noticed.
0: Yes, well worth it, but I'm glad it wasn't because it's a gamble, right? Like, we really just start reading these books before we book the authors as guests because we did this with Peter Olsen also. What if we hated it? Like, what what would we say in the segment? Like, I don't think I could lie.
1: Yeah, I guess we lucked out here because it's not a problem in fact all of the books that we've done from martin harris to maria konnikova to peter olsen we've enjoyed so it's not been an issue but yeah it, it was a risk but hey no gamble no future
0: that's right luckily not a problem no. on today's show as no. it stands i am very excited to talk about this book james very excited to talk about this book Now, I should have done this last week before we get going here. If I sent you the book, I want to know what you thought of it. So send us your tweets. Use that hashtag P-I-T-E. We will revisit this briefly next week and read off your tweets of all the people who read this book in addition to us because I'd love to hear some other opinions. And maybe once we say some stuff, you'll want to join in on the conversation. So use that hashtag P I T E. And uh, let us know what you thought, especially if I went to the trouble of sending you a book. What else is happening today? We're going to celebrate the latest Scoop slash Sunday Million winner. <laughs> it's a
1: twofa. It was a Sunday Million and it was a Scoop after party event. So you get both titles. Boom.
0: Uh, excellent. Looking forward to that. And I'm more looking forward to, of course, because it's about me. We are going to celebrate a little vindication for me, Joe Stapleton. That came by the world of mainstream sports broadcasting. Huh. That's coming up in just a second. And and James, is it too early for me to already be super excited about having Ryan Furpo on the show next week?
1: No, it is not too early. Uh, thrilled that Ryan will be the guest on next week's podcast. Ryan, one of the writers... Of one of the new upcoming Marvel movies, Marvel's Eternals, but someone with a background in the poker world. He made a documentary about the poker boom of the mid 2000s and then the events of Black Friday, uh, Bet Ray's Fold. If you haven't seen it, strongly recommended. I guarantee, though, that most people listening to this podcast will have seen some of Ryan's work because Ryan was also hired by Poker Stars to make those short films about members of Team Online. I am Nananoko, Ike Haxton living on Malta, Mickey Peterson drinking in the pub with Sam Grafton, Felix Schneider's the teacher. All short films made by Ryan, and now <laughs> he's working for Kevin Feige on the biggest movie franchise in the world. Incredible stuff! I call so I was it from Poker Stars to the MCU. That's the theme of next week's podcast.
0: So I was looking up I, I, egotistically. I was looking up. Um Like the short list for next year's Oscars, right? Because the card counter is kind of on some of those lists. And if you go way down on those lists, Eternals is listed already as a potential best picture candidate. So how amazing would that be if we had a future Academy Award winner on the show next week? Uh, Speaking of movies, things we've watched, just a quick (laughs) – I've watched some really fun stuff. We do this thing now where we watch documentaries on weekends, which are usually – At this point, true crime documentaries is like the the bulk of what documentaries are about. Watched a really fun one called Sasquatch about a a triple homicide.
1: Hold hold on a second. Hold on a second. Yeah. You cannot include the (laughs) words true crime documentary and really fun one in the same sentence.
0: Right, or True Crime and Sasquatch in the same sentence, right? <laughs> there's a bit of a there's a bit of a disconnect there too. I don't want to give away what this is about. Pretty a pretty fun watch, not super long. Uh it's about a murder that takes place in Weed Country in California. Hulu released it on four twenty, so it's like kind of a I mean, it's a real doc. It's not exactly a gag. Really fun. Speaking of gags, I watched a movie, James, I don't know if this is on your radar, called Willie's Wonderland. Never heard of it which stars Nicolas Cage. Right. It's a cross between a Nicolas Cage movie and have you ever heard of Five Nights at Freddy's? Yes. It's basically a Five Nights at Freddy's ripoff with Nicolas Cage being trapped in like an evil Chuck E. Cheese type of place. He, (laughs) this is probably a big twist to the movie, but I'm going to say it anyway. He doesn't have one line of dialogue in the entire movie. He doesn't speak. And he still manages to chew up the scenery, of course, with not one word uttered the entire time. I mean, fun movie. That's what not Nicolas good. Cage does. Um, not good, but fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, number one, true crime documentaries. I just need distractions from reality at the moment, not a Fair reminder enough. of reality. Um, and yeah, I'll be honest with you, I've not really had that much time to catch up with anything. Actually, you know what? I've no excuse. I spent you know, an hour and a half of my life watching Commando for the 200th time. So I was going to say there's so much new stuff to watch. I have to be a little bit more selective and I'm not sure that, but uh, no, a Nicolas Cage movie, but no, I, I can't. I, I retract, I retract my objection, your honor.
0: It's okay. Look, we all have our things, right? Like we were just like, had just watched three hours of this, this Sasquatch thing. Like, let's watch something a little lighter yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So we put on like an hour and seven minute Nicholas Cage. No, no speaky movie. Um, couple other things. I'm watching Mayor of Easttown on HBO, which I like a lot. And uh, I had an etiquette question for you. So, I, So we're getting back. Finally, I've got some anecdotes to tell about my life, James. And kind of a sad one is that a friend of mine, her mom passed away. Right. And since we have a yard here and since she's a close friend, we said, hey, if you want to do like a little memorial for your mom at our house over the weekend, you can. What kinds of things did she like? And one of the things she listed was ice cream. And I was like, you know what? it'd be kind of cool if I just hired like an ice cream truck to come park in the driveway for a couple hours. The people come for the memorial and come. I'll invite all the neighborhood kids and um, it'll be like just a nice thing. It'll make everybody feel warm and fuzzy. So I did it. The problem was that the uh, all the neighborhood kids that I know all went to the beach at the same time that day and weren't around for the ice cream truck. So I had to buy 50 ice creams up front and we end up going through like maybe like a dozen of them. So what happened was one of the grandmas came for and got ice creams for all the kids, right? Like walked away with like a dozen ice creams. Two etiquette questions for you, right? One is that the the grandma borrowed a tray of mine like to carry the ice cream homes and still hasn't hasn't brought it back yet, <laughs> which I'm a little. I'm a little like. Wouldn't you bring the tray back right away? Yeah, the tray like, needs that- to be
1: returned and obviously disinfected.
0: Right, of course. And then, uh, and then when I ran into like the parents of the kids the next day, I was like, they, they waved like, but they didn't say like thanks for the ice cream. All they, right, like, so they
1: you, you gave them ice cream for free. You paid for the ice creams. So yeah.
0: Why? And I like specifically sent it to their homes, like so, like it would be there when they got back, and like not that I like need like praise for it, but it just seemed odd that they were like oh hey yeah thanks thanks again for sending all our, all our fucking kids ice cream Look,
1: i have two questions here number one why was the onus on you to buy the ice cream i appreciate there's a minimum spend right required to have the ice cream truck there for the afternoon but why can't everyone else spend their money on the ice creams Why did you have to pay for them all
0: oh you mean of like the memorial or the other kids the other kids uh, just because I, I just thought it'd be a nice thing to do. I was going to do it either way, so I didn't need to. Okay. It, they Secondly, weren't there either. Yeah.
1: Secondly, uh, look, yeah. I, I think obviously I'm sure it went very well. It does. There is a slight disconnect in my mind to having a memorial service and then having some truck playing like you know, kind of green sleeves. Oh, it wasn't on- like
0: that. <laughs> no, it was like more like a like a food truck. Okay. Like an adult ice cream truck, really. Okay. If you think about it, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the memorial is meant to be like a celebration of life more than, a, than like a mourning type of thing. Um, yeah, I just don't you know. I don't know. I, I'm a, I don't like neighbors. I'm over neighbors in general. Yeah. Uh, so I feel somewhat vindicated from that, but I'm about to feel incredibly vindicated. Now... The other day, and thank you to Adam Owen, uh, poker player, you guys may be familiar with him, for sending me this, sent me a video clip from the Los Angeles Dodgers, Los Angeles Angels, Major League Baseball, professional baseball game. And since we can't play the clip without getting sued to the bejesus by Major League Baseball, James is going to read a transcript of this clip.
1: Okay, I will play the roles of both commentators yes. and I will basically give both very distinct voices. Thank you. Here's another one for you then, and this one really does irk me because I think I'm right about this. The term for the batter after the on deck hitter? In the hole. It's hold. Oh, in the hold? But 99 out of 100 people will say it's the hole. Oh, thank you for clarifying that.
0: You you that like you cannot believe how much my mind was blown hearing this clip, hearing this major be like, guess what? Everybody thinks it's in the hole. It's in the hold. By the way, I grew up saying in the hole. I've never heard in the hold. Much the way people say to me, I've never heard hold cards for the two down cards you were dealt during Texas Hold'em. I need to find this man.
1: Do you think there is any chance? that he has taken his inspiration from you. Do you think there's a chance that he's like, in the same way that this guy has got everyone second-guessing themselves and has started this bit that hole cards are actually hold cards, I'm going to do that in baseball and convince everyone that it isn't in the hole, it's actually in the
0: hold? To answer your first question, yes. But I don't, like, I think there is a chance he is aware of, of what I have said. Now, I don't know if he's doing it as a bit, if he's just been, like, incepted, if it's just coincidence. Uh, This podcast now, our podcast, this is a true crime podcast now. (laughs) You people need to help me track this dude down. I have to know him. I have to ask. I don't even know how to look up who the announcers were that night because I'm such not a sports guy. Please, please. You guys track down the Don't Fuck With Cats killer. Help me track down... This baseball announcer, so I can ask him. It doesn't even have to be officially on the air. I just need to talk to him for like three seconds. Please. <laughs>
1: Um, so as you alluded to at the start of the show, Joe, we did do a stream on Monday night. It was part of the Scoop After Party, this mini-series, which has come <laughs> in the wake isn't of isn't over. Uh, yeah, and it's going to go for another week. So it was a Sunday Million special edition on Monday night. Um, it did go the distance. It could have gone even further. Uh, but I think we got lucky with the chip distribution when it got heads up. Um, should point out that there will not be a Sunday Million stream this week. It will be the Scoop after party second chance main event so as with all scoop events three buy-in tiers and the high is a 5k so this is a pretty big tournament on stars and it's a three-day event we're going to be streaming the final day the final table so that means we won't be on air on monday night but we will be on tuesday so tuesday the 18th is when we'll be streaming the final table of that scoop after party main event once again maria ho will join us to analyse the action. And of course, too late now, because you probably missed it, but Retro is back on Thursday afternoons. Uh, This week, we're still on season two of the LAPT. In fact, I think we've still got a couple of weeks of season two of the Latin America Poker Tour before we move on to season three. Uh, But yeah, really looking forward to seeing some excessive celebrations, controversies, and plenty of table conversation that we don't understand.
0: Fantastic. Loving it. Love to hear it. James, what do you say? Should we talk about this book? Let's do it.
1: Yes, it is our latest installment of the Poker in the Ears book club, Eight semi-regular thing, which we kind of started last year. Uh, We are talking about We Run Bad, a novel by John Curry. Hopefully you've done your homework. Hopefully you've read this book because you're going to get so much more out of what we're going to discuss over the course of the next 30 minutes or so. Thrilled to say that we are going to be discussing this novel in the company of its author. John Curry,
2: welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, guys. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thanks for coming on. And also, thank you for tracking me down and and sort of forcing me to read and talk about your book, because I loved your book, John. I got to tell you, I fucking loved it. Well,
2: thank you very much. I appreciate that.
1: I think the biggest compliment I can pay you is that I read this in one session from page one to page 157. Didn't intend to, but it wasn't out of necessity i was just so <laughs> engrossed i was so into it that i just wanted to uh, t- to get to the end and despite the grimness stuck with it
2: yeah no i mean that's that's definitely a uh, a compliment for a writer that it wasn't really fucking boring so <laughs> <laughs> not
0: not only now, that. yeah i'm going to keep <laughs> heaping praise just for a second too just because i need to explain a little bit more like it was so so much more than engrossing for me I identified with so much of it. uh, So much of it is things that I've been through or like almost been through, right? Like (laughs) stuff that if my life had gone a different direction, like one or two places, I could have honestly ended up being a lot like uh, Tim in this book and not just inside my own head, but also the things that happened to, but the thoughts that he had and sort of situations he got himself into. I thought the commentary, by the way, on America and consumerism and New York. Uh, Yes, we're grim, but also honest. And I think you don't have to completely agree with everything the main character is thinking to realize he does have a point about a lot of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's uh, a lot of the, you know, I kind of did live that life. And um, a lot of it was just about, you know, I'm from... The you know uh industrial Midwest, <laughs> and uh, you know I moved to New York City, and you know a lot of it was just about like kind of becoming <clears throat> sort of like in that New York City fuckboy lifestyle, which a lot of it is really about that. Yeah, and um, but you know really it's just about it's not really supposed to be like glamorous in a way; it's supposed to be kind no. of embarrassing.
1: I mean, this is very much an anti-hero this is not someone to idolize i mean look before we go any further before we go too far down the lane and i could do it but it makes sense for you to do it john seeing as you're with us today just summarize the story or at least give us the premise set the scene for what this book is about
2: well yeah it's basically like uh you know there's and and the greeks had the uh you know the hero's journey this is kind of like the anti-hero's journey right um Nothing is really learned at the end, aside from <laughs> destructive lifestyles are just destructive. And there's really nothing to be, you know, like a lot of the people who didn't like it, um, kind of, they, I don't think they really understood that, that you know, the things they didn't like were there on purpose. You know what I mean? It's, it's not really, um, there's nothing to be, like, it's not very plot driven. It's just sort of a glimpse into what a degenerate's lifestyle is like. And that was pretty much me for, you know, a long time. And when I was working at these places and running them, you know, I pretty much gave back, I'd say like a lot of what I made just because <laughs> that's part of the lifestyle, you know? Yep. Um, most of the guys who like work in these games, like the way they get in in the first place is that they go to a game, they get stuck their balls, they go on the sheet, they can't pay back. And if the guy's nice enough, not to, you know, break your fucking legs, he puts you in the box (laughs) to pay off your debt. So, and that cycle just keeps repeating and repeating and repeating. And a lot of, you know, like, and I'm, I'd say I was like pretty much one of, you know, I'm no exception. uh, The thing is, the job's just boring as balls, So, and you're stuck there like 14, 16 hours a day sometimes, and if you're flooring, you're just like, you know, you make it to like hour 10, and you're like, all right, fuck it, I'm getting in. (laughs) It's like (laughs) six-handed.
0: I mean, and a what? lot of the times the players are happy uh, that that the like I've played in a couple oh, of these games in New yes. York, they're and like oh. when there's when there's four people and you're like, please, can we just get another guy in this game? You don't even care that the guy running the place is just playing with house money, sitting next to you. Oh,
2: I mean, usually the regulars they're just fucking waiting for that moment, you know? Like I like like it, literally everybody I worked with and myself just donked off every single fucking dollar they made in that place. I mean, so <laughs> it's, it's a self sustaining economy, you know. <laughs>
1: One of my first questions, John, was going to be, what was the inspiration for this story? Is it semi-biographical? And I put in brackets, please say no. Clearly, it is. Uh, You say there isn't much of a story, but clearly, you know, we follow this character. We follow Tim from a stage in his life where, having lost his job during the economic downturn, having lost his house during the economic downturn, he's tried to take what money he has to make it as a poker pro. It's not working out. Gets offered this gig running these underground illegal games in New York. Makes a decent enough amount of money out of those games before effectively they're shut down. And at the end, kind of ends the story where he began in Atlantic City with a role. And this is where I felt, and I think, Joe, this is what you're alluding to with the kind of comment on society. It very much felt to me like there's the implication of a vicious cycle here that in the same way that the American economy will not learn the lessons of what happened with the subprime crash and inevitably something like that's going to happen again this guy's not going to get out and this however much it is 100,000 200,000 that he's gone to Atlantic City with it ain't gonna last maybe that's my cynical interpretation of the story because it is open-ended but I just felt things are not going to end well.
2: Well, shit, James, when you put it like that, I guess there is a story there. Um, (laughs) You know, I just... To me, it's just not very plot-driven. It's just... uh, You know what I mean? It's like, yes, all that... that, You know, there is a narrative there. But I think it's mostly just about, like, kind of an exposure of that culture and lifestyle. And yeah, it definitely was, like, largely autobiographical. But, like, the details in the story are not like none of the details are true. Like I was never involved in like loan sharking. I knew plenty of loan sharks, um, but uh, you know, this whole, you know, like in Molly's game where like somebody like comes up to you and like offers to buy the debt, like basically to buy your sheet for like 50 cents in the dollar or whatever. Cause you can't collect. I've had that happen like multiple times, <laughs> but wow. um, you know, it's like, you know, all of the details in, in the, the story are really, they're not true, but it comes from a place that's totally true in terms of just like the lifestyle and um, the characters are all basically just sort of like characteristics of certain people that I knew kind of like like, you know, like Harris is a real guy or was a real guy. And um, Brian is also sort of, he's like a a sort of a a mishmash of like a few guys that I know that I just put like the most annoying characteristics of them together to create like (laughs) this pretty odious character. Um, But all that's, you know, like as far as like the details are not true, but like, you know, the spirit of it is definitely more or less true.
1: Yeah. And I, You talk about some of the criticisms that you've received. I mean, I can see where some people are coming from. You take a story like Rounders, for example, granted a film rather than a book. And that is something that is also, to a certain degree, analyzing the kind of the dark underbelly of the subculture. But it still shows the game of poker um, as having a little bit of glamour to it. There is an allure, and appeal to the game There's none of that here. There is no positivity here. It is for a lot. I mean, I have no problem with it, but a lot of people will find this just so unrelentingly grim and negative that what's the saying? Mankind can only take so much reality.
2: Yeah. I mean, and like my, you know, my response to that is that like, you know, I mean, that's pretty much all of my writing. I mean, I don't write about like happy shit. I mean, who, who does, you know? Um, you know, I, I don't know, like, a whole lot of authors who, like, write, like, um, you know, every every story is about conflicts. Every good story, anyway, in my, in my opinion. And what I try to do is, even though there's, like, a lot of grimness, it's, and, like, a lot of the grimness isn't even, like, it's it's internal, right? It's, it's like, nothing really too bad happening to, like, people. There's no, like, murder or anything. I mean, there's one just random you know, spoiler alert, some guy just gets blown up in a car, but that's uh, (laughs) just kind of like unrelated. It's just more of a um, comment about like the chaos of like New York, you know? Yeah. Um, So what I try to do with the darkness is just kind of like balance it with humor so that like, you know, you don't know how you feel at the end. I mean, that's just kind of like, you know, that, that that was intentional. Yeah. Um, Just because you can only take so much, you know, I was I wasn't trying to write like a Cormac McCarthy, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wasn't quite that dark. <laughs> what um I feel like your ahead. response to the criticism should just be it's a story. Like if I I've, I've read this and I was like People are going to read this book and they're going to act like he's Jordan Peterson telling people to go out and live their life this way. When he's not, this is a character. (laughs) And if you had a character, like if you had written American Psycho, people wouldn't be like, I can't believe you wrote about a murderer. They don't understand. Like this is this is the character having these thoughts, not. Not John Curry writer.
1: You picked that example, Joe. People did make those accusations at Brett Easton Ellis when American oh, Cyber oh, yeah. was published. Right. It was hugely for controversial sure. for that reason. If you write a book where the lead story has a dark side to them where they're not a nice person, people have an issue with that. People want to have a lead character. They want to have a hero that they can believe in.
2: I- yeah, people are fucking bullshit, you know. That's not how life is. <laughs> Fuck off. You know. <laughs>
0: Okay so um, let me ask you about this being uh, somewhat autobiographical how close did you come to dealing with wilmington and are they still people you think about and or need to worry about being a part of your life
2: okay so wilmington was basically just a hook um they're completely fictional i didn't i never like i knew some like people in like the lone sharking world but I never associated with them. That was like one line that I was like never willing to cross. Um, You know, like my, my, my philosophy was if I put you on the sheet and you don't pay me back, I'm the dumb motherfucker for giving you the money. Right. So, and that was just the way I just, that was just one thing I never crossed because I knew that's how people got into like serious trouble. You know, when they started like, charging people interest and like, you know, threatening them to pay, you know? And like, I just, I also didn't really know anybody like that. So like for me to just like, you know, come up to somebody and be like, Hey man, you know, could you, uh, you want to start a loan sharking business with me? You know, like I wouldn't even really know where to start other than just like have, I've definitely had people approach me before, but I was like, "Mm, no, I'm good. Thanks man. (laughs) Um, but Yeah. So Wilmington was like completely fictional. I just threw that in there to like, I mean, the original book was like four times as long. Oh. And, um, my editor was like, dude, this sucks. You know, like we got to like trim it down. I was like, all right. So I had this whole like backstory of just like, um, like the backstory of the original book was like just as long as the fucking book. And like, I turned that into a short story, which is more about like the, um, sort of like the follow up or sort of like the prior to and follow up of the, the global financial crisis. Right. So I just decided to cut all that shit out of there. But like, yeah, like the, like the Wilmington thing was just a a hook that I made up just to like, give it a story, you know, like I needed to have some kind of story there because a lot of what I was writing was just about shit people like conversations I'd heard. Um, conversations i would had people i knew experiences like just little glimpses of things but all that you know even though it's funny like needs to be put into some kind of narrative structure otherwise it's just you know it's just a bunch of nonsense so wilmington's completely fictional it's just Wilmington
0: uh, worked really well i mean it, it was very you. ominous sounding i knew exactly what you're talking about because of sort of the laws there i, I like it was it was re- a, like a really cool hook to like just represent dark forces that um, without going into too much details. So if, if Wilmington is made up, I'm getting the impression there's not a lot out there about John Curry. And I'm getting the impression that maybe that's a pen name. So if Wilmington is yeah. not real, where why why John Curry then?
2: <laughs> OK, oh, yeah, so John Curry was um, I just I read about him in this book called sucker's progress by herbert asbury he wrote like gangs in new york and um a bunch of just like old americana books like that about you know um and so so sucker's progress is about the history of gambling in america and it's a really thick book and it's basically like there's not a whole lot of structure i mean there's structure to it, but it's basically like when you read through it, it just, it's just like a ton of examples and like anecdotes of like just shit. So there's like a lot of stuff you can read in there. That's like, like if you were going to write like a book about um, just like any kind of period piece about gambling, you could just like go in there and just find all kinds of shit. And it's very like, not popular. Like not a lot of people know about Yeah, that book and, yeah, it's like it's weird because the Gangs of New York is pretty, you know, he's like a pretty famous writer. Um it's very old. Like like that that book I think was finished in the 50s or something like that. So like everything in there is prior to that. So you're not gonna find like a whole lot of like contemporary poker stuff. It's gonna be like very you know how like rounder sort of has like this dated, like the details of you know the games are very sort of dated but that's probably how it was in like the 90s yeah. before everybody started playing poker you know and that's right. that's one of the, like a lot of his criticisms come from like that's not how it is man I've been playing poker for fucking 10 years it's never you know it's like fuck you man it's like this was done before poker was like a thing you know yeah. it was like a very like um an, a super niche culture that not a lot of people knew about and like the rules back then might have been like way different before everything was standardized in like 2004 ish you know Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, so Herbert Asbury wrote this book and like I was reading through it and there was this guy back in Louisiana territory, um, who used to run this like gambling house for like rich French aristocrats, um, back before, you know, that was, uh, before America was America and his name was John Curry. And I was just like, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my clients, if you will, were just like the most annoying rich fucks I'd ever met in my life, like wall street guys and stuff like that. So I thought that was like an appropriate name. So there's a lot of uh, pseudo aristocracy in New York, as I'm sure oh, yeah. you're aware. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. So you wrote this book, I know you've got other things you've written, which, by the way, I would like to read. I know you offered at another point, and I think you're a hell of a writer. I really do. Like, I wasn't expecting this to be as funny as it is. Just some amazingly good descriptions of things, accurate, funny. So I'd love to read whatever else you're working on. Um, My question is, did you burn all of the life experiences you have in this book— uh, because it does seem to be drawn largely from your life. And uh, the things that you're writing now, is it more difficult? Is it more fictional slash more difficult?
2: No. I mean, I've always been writing since I was like a kid. And like, I, I wrote like my first novel when I was like 23. You don't want to read that one. That, it fucking blows. Um, but like, I've always had, you know, kind of an imagination. I mean, the stuff that's in that book, even though, you know, like it comes from a place of just like, annoyance and pain pretty much just like in terms of like dealing <laughs> with the people in this world. Right. And that's where like that, that sort of darkness comes from, but like my cynicism towards humanity will never wane, you know, like I,
0: <laughs> I'm i always going to have like, I will never plenty. run out of complaints about people. No,
2: yeah. Seriously. Like I, 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 you know, I write every day and you know, I'm, I'm trying to turn, I'm actually, I'm trying to turn, this one into a screenplay because you know i'm done making art for a while and i'd like to make some fucking money so if you know <laughs> somebody if you guys know anybody in hollywood who's looking to get their dick sucked uh you know send them- <laughs> i'm i'm as game as they come
0: let's talk later
1: um All in right. terms <laughs> of that cynical vibe that you referred to i'm interested in who your influences are as a writer, John, because there are a couple of authors who I could very much see writing a book like this if they had lived this lifestyle. There's a, an Australian crime novelist called Peter Temple who in himself is influenced by James Elroy. And there is a real Elroy vibe to this book.
2: Yeah, I've never actually read Elroy. I will, trust now that you mention it. Um, my my uh, main influences... So when I was a kid give a little backstory. I like, I read everything by Vonnegut, like as every annoying 20 year old does. Um, and then I was really into him. And then now that I read him again, I can't fucking stand Vonnegut. Like it's something about his voice that I don't like anymore. Um, and then, (sighs) I think I'd say Bukowski is probably like my biggest influence. Like it's funny, like the older I get, the harder it is to read. And then, you know, like the, the alcohol just keeps coming (laughs) on the brain, you know, and it just, it's, uh, he's the only one I can even like fucking read anymore. To be honest, you know, I read, um, some like gritty books, uh, you know, just to, like, some people, like, they're just, hey, you sound just like this asshole. Like, take a look at it. I'm just like, okay, thank you for that.
0: Um, well, it's good when you haven't read the thing, right? <laughs> like, if,
2: if someone <laughs> right, says, right. like,
0: you sound like this person, you haven't read it, you can go, good. Well, I didn't fucking rip that shit off because I've never read it before. I, I right. actually had a, que- a question about voice for you. Um, sure. I listened to the audio version of the book. Somehow, you knew that I was going to be a terrible reader because you knew that I'd probably lived a pretty hard lifestyle like you. Yeah, if you have,
2: you can't read anymore. Fucking forget about it. You know, like if you if you drank for like ten years, like you can't read. Sorry, it's over.
0: No, I'm completely (laughs) illiterate now. However, the audio version of this book, I thought the guy did an amazing job playing this character, and I wanted to see how you felt about it.
2: Yeah. So I. So Jesse Lee, I found him on, uh, whatever the fuck, whatever one of those, like find a slave online for really cheap, you know, like one of those fucking <laughs> things, Fiver? like a worker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he was like a new, he was new to it. And like, he sent me like a voice, like uh mail. It wasn't like a voicemail, but it was like, he sent me like a. He was, like, real? talking to me and like, all these acts. Yeah, he was just, yeah. like, talking to me specifically in, like, these accents. I mean, I was like, oh, this kid really wants this job. So I was like, all right, man. Like, uh, have at it. And, no, I think he did a really good job. And, like, there were a few parts in it. I mean, there were at least, I'd say more than a few, probably, like, a 100 parts where I was like, no, man, you got to say it like this. And he was probably, like, rolling his fucking eyes all the time. <laughs> so I was, like, pretty particular about how, like, some of the inflections should go and, like, you know. Some of the accents,
0: you know. um, I I had a lot. I was very curious about that whether Audible just hires someone and you have no say and they put out your audio book or if, or if you like directed the person.
2: I believe you can do that. Like you can, I think the ACX or whatever the service is, um, they have a bunch of stuff that you can, a bunch of resources you can use. But I didn't even, I just wanted to have um, control. It's funny. Yeah. So like, We finished it and I was like, you know, man, this is like pretty good. I'm just going to pay you anyway, but like, I don't think I'm going to like use this, but I did like the one that he did for my, my new book, which by the way, nobody wants again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And uh, I think he did a really good job with that one. Just like right off the cuff, he just like banged it out and it was really good. And then he did like, we run bad. And I was actually making like, this is how fucking desperate I was to get published I made, I paid this dude to like do the audio for a book that wasn't even published yet, just so that I could get the agents to like not have to do their fucking job and just sit down and listen to it.
0: You know what I mean? Nice. That's smart. Look, if you have the resources to do that, that's awesome.
2: Wasn't fucking smart enough. (laughs) Right. And, uh, So anyways, um, he did really good with that. Just like, I just, you know, I didn't need it to be like super polished or anything. Right. And then he did, we run bad. And I think he kind of like lost a little steam. I was like, you know what, man, like you did a good job. I was like, but I'm just going to pay you and we're going to kill this. And he's like, and like three weeks later, I guess he didn't have anything else going on. So he's like, you know what, man, I'm going to fucking do this. I'm going to fucking finish it. I was like, he's like, whatever you need, like just tell me. It's like, I'm new to this. So just like, you know, just tell me what you need done just like be honest. I was like, okay. I was like, well, for starters here are the first 50 points. And then like, I would just, you know, just tell him like, just, just like really nitpicky shit that you know, I just wanted like the way it sounded in my head. I wanted him to say it like that, you know, that's great. So that's that's, awesome.
0: You got that.
2: Yeah. So if anybody needs a a narrator, you know, (laughs) he's, he does a fucking really good job and like, um, you know, for not a whole lot of money, you know, a fair, like a fair amount, but like not a whole lot. And like, he just like tortured himself. I would imagine just like getting this shit done for like, you know, method reading dealing with all, yeah. Dealing with all my bullshit, you know, like, he, and like, and then he had to like splice it in, you know, like, like he had to edit it, which wasn't easy. Cause he would like wow. do some stuff in like a new, Voice or a new inflection, and it kind of sounded like spliced in. So I'm sure you had to do like a god knows how many takes to like make it sound natural when yeah, splice it know. in. You know, in the we end, know it yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I'm so sure. anyways, yeah. I mean, if there's any if there's any plug that I can give somebody is that that, that guy. He's he's fucking. He goes by. I think he goes by Jesse Holt on on. Uh, I don't remember. What fucking, I think it's yeah. I think it's not Fiverr. It's like Upwork. I think Upwork. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but he's a. He, he did a hell of a job and he just has like this voice of like, you know, like a fucking millennial and prior to that. So if you have like a contemporary book, he's got a good voice for that kind of person, you know,
1: I'm pretty sure I can't live think- up to a standard, but I did highlight a-, a couple of paragraphs from the book, which I wanted to just relive. Uh, and the first is just one of those scenes, which anyone who's been to some heel casino in america at like three in the morning on a weeknight will absolutely recognize the thing you should know about gaming culture in america when you emerge from those brass elevator doors and find yourself after midnight among the scrums of elderlies slamming decaf chain smoking long thin cigarettes and beating the fuck out of slot machines even if you've yet to wager a single dollar in the place you need to understand one thing just being here means you've already lost Uh, It's just so good. It it just evokes so many memories. And the other section, and this, I was so thinking of Joe for some reason when I read this section. (laughs) This is when Tim first sits down in the Game and Bogata. I order a Black Label and casually fold Jacks to a four bet as I watch my set hit the flop and three players frantically jam all of their chips into the center of the table. (laughs) Off to a great start.
2: (laughs) So good. (laughs) So yeah, that's one thing. If you're gonna write um if you're going to write a book about poker right this is the only advice i'm going to give anybody who wants to do that you're you're hereby limited to one fucking hand history that's it don't put any more <laughs> fucking like oh check out this sick beat that i had once that's back great in 2010 that nobody gives a fuck about like one thing one thing that like um that like was I used to piss off my customers a lot with like, and I just couldn't help myself. Is that like, for some reason they want to come up to you. Right. And they want to like tell you about a bad beat they had. Mm -hmm. And this happens like multiple times a night. John, as poker
0: commentators, the number one thing fans want to talk to me about when they get me alone, when they corner me somewhere for a minute or two, is to tell me about a bad beat story. And to be honest, sometimes you know you can suffer through it because you like the person, or you you know you don't you want to be the image that they want you to be. But every time you're, yeah, you're just like, oh man, why is this happening (laughs) to me right now?
2: (laughs) And like, I just tell them, just like. Like I, I'll, I'll just say something like I can't do this. They're like, <laughs> what? you can't do what? I'm just like I don't, I don't listen to bad beat stories. It's kind of like that scene in in um, what was it, Clerks, where the with like the ladies like ask them about like the videotape. He's like, I don't watch yeah. movies. <laughs> I'm not a movie
0: guy. <laughs> is this any good? Uh, yeah, exactly, John. It's a, I had one line that I'm not going to blow from the book cause I think it's so good, but I got to tell you that the line about the, the din of New York city and how it's like putting a seashell up to your ear is <laughs> right. one of the greatest lines I have ever heard or read anywhere that should like that, that will be a famous line when this thing gets made into a movie. A hundred percent. It's fucking incredible. Um, It is is a rite of passage on this show, John, that uh, all of our guests play a very stupid, bespoke trivia game made up by me. Are you ready to play? Fuck yeah, I am. All right. This game is called Atlantic Shitty. (laughs) and It is a cute little trivia quiz about some of the dumbest and most hilarious crimes ever committed in Atlantic City. Okay. And uh, when I say ever, keep in mind that these come from about like a three-year total span no. of the uh, Atlantic City crime blog, and uh, they're all multiple choice. And uh, we're going to start off...
2: That existed, actually. Crime blog from Atlantic City. It's probably interesting.
0: Uh, there is, a, there is a, uh, a multiple choice, and the first one, we're going to start off with something pretty easy. If you're at all familiar with Atlantic City, I don't know how much of that was real, how much was fake, but this one, we're going to mm. start things off easy. Question number one After attempting to use fake poker chips at a Borgata tournament, what led police to the culprit's arrest? (laughs) I
1: remember this.
0: Uh, He tried flushing them down the commode. That's (laughs) correct. It was a clogged toilet. clogged toilet (laughs) was correct. Uh, Other answers to that question included a Dunkin' Donuts security camera, a literal trail of poker chips, or Thomas Jane from The Mentalist. Question number two. In 2015, two Atlantic City residents attempted to cover up a drunk driving accident by planting what in the middle of the road? Was it? I don't know that one. A slot machine, a Cabbage Patch Kid, Black Ice, or a box set of the series Boardwalk Empire? I'm going to go with slot machine. They tried to cover the road in black ice <laughs> <laughs> to cover up for their... They poured water all over the road, <laughs> almost <laughs> causing several other accidents. Wow. I, yeah, I didn't know
2: that was even... I was like, how do you put black ice on the fucking road? I guess you just pour water on it.
0: Question yeah. number three. After being pulled over on suspicion of DUI in Atlantic City, the, the woman pulled over... Sorry, the woman accused replied that she was out in search of what? Was she out in search of the Apple store? Was she out in search of an AA meeting? Was she out in search of the state of New Jersey? Or was she out in search of a box set of the series Boardwalk Empire? I'm gonna go with AA meeting. That's a good
2: cover. I don't know the answer to that one. When so, she was pulled guess.
0: over in Atlantic City, she told the officers that she was looking for New Jersey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like on a metaphorical level, just like, a, <laughs> maybe, like maybe.
0: She found it found either it. way. Even yeah. whether it was literal or metaphorical. <laughs> she found it. Question number four. Three suspects were arrested while fleeing the scene of a robbery that included the theft of $1,000 worth of beer kegs. Funnily enough, the beer kegs were completely empty, full of non-alcoholic beer, toxic chemicals due to their old age, or the kegs were set decorations from the series Boardwalk Empire.
2: Well... I got to think, I don't know the answer to this one either, but I got to think that you don't know the difference between a full keg and an empty keg. I mean, that's, that that can't be right. So uh, I'm going to guess it was non-alcoholic beer.
0: It turns out, John Curry, that these people did not know the difference (laughs) between a full and empty keg of beer. Uh, The kegs were totally empty. Question number five. A man was arrested for posing as a New Jersey state trooper after doing what on I-78? Was it accidentally pulling over an actual New Jersey state trooper, (laughs) holding up a sign that said honk if you're horny and flashing anyone who honked, pulling over someone who he thought was his ex-girlfriend, or stopping traffic to get a Frogger machine across the road? I'm going to
2: say A.
0: A is correct. He did accidentally pull over an actual New Jersey, off-duty New Jersey state trooper. It's just like
2: stranger than fiction, so that's got to be true. (laughs)
0: Stories are amazing. Question number six. While in the back of a police car, suspect James Field pulled what of the following from his butt? Was it... 10 bags of heroin, 49 packages of crack cocaine, and one bag of actual cocaine. A, was it 50? A, a. <laughs> a is correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a is correct. We don't have to go through all the made up answers. He nailed it. He knew exactly what it was going to be. A is correct. Final question here. Question number seven. And what should be considered a crime against tourists? Atlantic City's White House sub shop has what used celebrity item on display? Is it Jimmy Durante's jockstrap, Joe DiMaggio's toothpick, (laughs) Frank Sinatra's towel, or the Beatles' Pete Best?
2: (laughs) I'm going to go with A again. I don't know that one, but...
0: Jimmy Durante's uh... jockstrap is incorrect. Frank Sinatra's used towel (laughs) after leaving stage after a performance nearby is on display at the white house sub shop in atlantic city john curry it's been a pleasure talking to you it's an absolute joy reading your book and i look forward to uh, to reading your next thing that hopefully we can make something happen with All right,
2: thank you very much i appreciate that
1: thank you john and we are going to return to the subject of we run bad for this week's superfan quiz but right now joe let's run a mock It's back, ladies and gentlemen. We're doing it again. It's that moment on the show where we say, Ask me one question. A-M-O-Q. You send in a question via Twitter, hashtag P-I-T-E, and we answer it. And Joe, this week's question comes from a former superfan, Enrique Gomez. And Enrique asks, What movie that you come across on TV do you then have to stop and watch for at least 15 minutes? Plans be damned for Enrique it's the last thirty minutes of Silence of the Lambs.
0: That makes sense. I could see that. A little grim. I, I'm not 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 for me. There are. I can answer this question very quickly. I don't have a single movie that I do this. I'm so what? annoying. And yes, I wish that there were. That I had a different answer for this, but the answer is that every time I think about doing this, I go, "Oh, you know what? I should really watch this movie from the beginning and give it like a proper rewatch." And then I never, ever Do it. So, I actually never just watch any movies randomly off TV.
1: Well, I can make up for Joe because I have a very long list. And interestingly, with me, it's films that I've seen so many times and know so well that I don't have that desire to go back to the beginning because it's already like I've already seen it. Yeah. I mean, Commando is on the list, obviously. Uh, And it is movies of that nature die hard. Robocop. Shawshank's
0: up there for a lot of people.
1: No, Shawshank Redemption is not a movie where I feel compelled to watch it all the way through. Uh, I'd say Die Hard and Robocop are probably top tier. And then the Godfather movies are not being funny. They're in rotation at the moment on Sky Movies. The other night, stumbled across the last hour of Godfather Part Two. Didn't just have to watch it for 15 minutes, I have to watch them to the end. Goodfellas is another one as well. Generally, any movie that I'm a huge fan of and have seen so many times that it doesn't matter where I come in in the story. And generally, as I said, don't just stick with it for 15 minutes. Stick with it until the very last scene.
0: Thank you for your question. This has been Running Amok.
1: And now, Superfan versus States. Well, I am thrilled that we can finally welcome John Delano to the Poker in the Ears podcast. John, I was 100%, not even 99%, I was 100% certain you had already appeared on this show as a superfan. So when you applied for this particular episode, I ignored you. And then I went down my list and realized, how have you never been on the podcast before?
0: It's because he's been on the Sunday Million Stream and the Retro Stream and our Twitter timeline feeds and our—he's—he's and he's appeared everywhere else pretty regularly, so it makes sense.
3: Yeah, Stalker's not allowed to actually get on the podcast, per. That's what it is.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, as an IT guy, I figured you guys had already had your fill of us, so you ah. know I kind of stood away. You know what I mean? So,
0: <laughs> is that your deal, bro? You're an IT guy.
3: Yeah, I was. uh, I wrote software for many about thirty years till about twenty thirteen.
0: Yep. And James, I don't know if you know this or not, but and I just found this out. John apparently like runs my website. I don't like. What?
3: Well, that was a leftover from from uh, you know Mike and I got to got to uh, know each other pretty well over Facebook after we did that Heroes book.
0: Yeah, so my buddy and- wrote a, wrote a like a children's book and was like ki- kickstarted it, and John yeah. was like a huge supporter of it, and now they're like kind of in business together,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So, It's so yeah. weirdly connected. Awesome stuff. Um, yeah. So, John, you say you were in IT. What do your days involve now when you're not
3: consuming our content, which I get you do a lot. Yeah, um, I twiddle my thumbs until I can watch you guys some more, I guess. what <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, you know, in 2013, I was kind of medically forced to the sideline. And uh, so I still love to dabble in all that kind of stuff that, you know, I'm a geek at heart, have been since the 80s, you know, original geek sitting over here. Uh, hang with my girls and, you know, my uh, my little my grandson, uh, Caius John, who's going to be eight months old already, which is ridiculous. So, you uh, know, having a great time. And uh love and life. Well,
1: if there is one person <laughs> on this planet who I think defines the word superfan, it is you. You're oh, always incredibly time. supportive, always there. Yeah. Uh, and thrilled that we thank can you. have you on the show and give you the opportunity to win some PokerStars merch. And thank you for volunteering to read this book and answer questions about this book. And here's the thing, John. Because I know you are a big fan of the show, I don't want to ruin the podcast that you will listen to down the line. <laughs> okay. We've already reviewed this. We've already talked to the author. I'm interested to know, though, what you thought. And don't worry, John Curry's not on the line. Anymore. He's
0: not on the line. He's not going right. to hear this. I mean, he might go back and listen to the show, but he's probably not going to track you down. So whatever. Right. You okay. It.
3: <laughs> uh, I was like immediately shocked about, I don't know, five sentences into the book. Yeah. You know, I wasn't like mentally prepared for something uh, to jump off in the way it did. Uh, but um i really did enjoy it and i typically uh, um, really liked how you, he would take you down one road and then all of a sudden just take a hard left or right in certain spots where one thing is going and then you're suddenly talking about something else that has nothing to do with what was just happening like you know an audi blows up during you know their sex and drugs night you know that kind of threw everything off kilter. It was a lot of those kinds of things, which um, I enjoy um, not being able to see those types of things coming, you know, when I'm reading or watching a show or anything like that. So yeah. that, that was, it was really refreshing that way. So I liked it uh, very much.
1: Well, what I like, John, is that you clearly have remembered a lot of key details and that's going to yeah. be important when you Shit. play this quiz. Because I just remembered I'm going to
0: have to play against John <laughs> in a I, trivia quiz about those details. Fuck.
1: I gave Patrick the week off. And because oh, i read okay. the book from cover to cover this is a hartigan quiz so do don't oh expect it to be easy <laughs> now before we begin john one final question which state of the united states do you reside in i am in georgia lovely place sadly yes. not a right. Poker Stars market so yep. we are playing yep. for merch rather than Absolutely. tickets mm. but that is fine um There are bonuses. The usual rules apply. If you get your main question wrong, the bonus goes to the other player. Multiple choice options available for the main questions, but reduce the score. Uh, John, as you are the super fan, as you are our guest today, please give me a number between one and 10. Number two, please. Number two. Ooh. How much has Tim lost during his three-month downswing? 25,000. Would you like to take the multiple choice options? Sure. (laughs) Is it $10,000, $25,000, $50,000, and $100,000? And the fact that I gave you a mulligan and encouraged you to take the options means you should probably rule out B. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess it's got to be his whole stack then. It was $50,000. $50,000 is the answer. Congratulations. You have A points. Uh, The bonus question. Fill in the blanks. Two words in this sentence are missing. Just play the blank blank in exchange for some watered-down drinks. This is Tim's plan when he goes back to Atlantic City to avoid yep. the poker tables and mm-hmm. just play the Penny blank slots. blank. Correct. Penny slots is the answer. You get the bonus point. And Joe, you're up.
0: Oh, man. I feel like since John went deuce, I don't ever do this. But I'm going to always come seven right now. (laughs) See, I wanted to avoid that myself, yes.
3: This might be my favorite
1: question of the entire quiz. Joe, what is the name of the dog who stubbornly takes a shit in a busy street and nearly gets run over?
0: I will need the choices for this. Is it Ralph, Reggie, Ricky, or Rufus? I don't remember this at all. Uh Rufus.
1: It is Rufus. He guesses it and he gets a point. After round one, John, you have a 2-1 lead and it's your question.
3: I will take number four. Number four.
1: What does Tim say to the woman who offers him her copy of the New York Times? I don't read. Correct for two points. And Joe, you can pick your second question now.
0: Uh, it's such a great spot in the book. He's just so angry that she <laughs> yeah, offers him the newspaper. <laughs> um He's John's going uh even, so I'll go odd. I'll take number uh three, please.
1: Question number three. What game does Tim play at Bogata? Stakes and format.
0: I feel like I gotta take a take a Take a stab here. I'm just gonna go for it. Two five no limit. Incorrect.
1: It's five ten no limit, and that means the bonus question passes to John. John, what band is playing at Bogata that weekend? Ooh. Oh, oh, uh, Green Day. Correct for the bonus points, nice. and the score is five one. And it is your question, John. I will go with six. Question six: How many stars on Yelp? Does Tim Two. jokingly say Manhattan
3: Central Booking has? Two. Yeah, It's correct. One of the biggest LMAOs of the book, man. I died when <laughs> I read that. Oh, <laughs> love that. And
1: my personal favorite moment of the book, what is Matt's idea for an app?
0: <laughs> oh, God.
3: <laughs> the kittens. Specifically, the uh, uh, um, it's the kittens every 30 days app. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> New, New kitten. Don't worry what the adult kittens are. <laughs> you don't worry, my friend. <laughs>
1: New kitten every month New for the it. bonus <laughs> point. Uh Joe, you are seriously behind, dude. The score is 8-1. Come on.
0: Uh alright, I'll take question one then. Question one. On which day of the week does the story start? Uh Wednesday. No, wait! Hold on. They're arguing what day it is when they're going to the club. And he's like, "It's a blank." And then the bouncer's like, "It's a blank." Uh, it's either Tuesday or Wednesday. You know the options
1: aren't going to help you here, so you may no. as well just go yeah. for
0: it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say Tuesday. Tuesday.
1: Correct. And I'm gonna give you the two points. You've had your mulligan now, and you do get the bonus question. What is the name of the club in Atlantic City that Tim and Harris visit? I don't know. It's the Casper. (laughs) John, your penultimate question. Five, eight, nine, and ten are all available. I will take eight, please. Question number eight. Loose interpretation of the word girlfriend here. Uh, What is Tim's Japanese girlfriend studying? She was studying video animation. Correct, for two points. And the bonus question, where does she work? Sushi Samba. Correct. For the bonus points, Joe, five, nine or ten.
0: We Run Bad is not just the name of this book, because there's a couple of these that I would have had a clean sweep on, but (laughs) just bad number choices, I guess. No shit, I remembered everything about the hot Japanese girlfriend. Uh- <laughs>
1: okay, Joe, I'm going to give you some direction here. Question yeah. 9 does not have a bonus. Questions 5 and 10 do. So can I encourage you to go for one of the questions with a bonus attached to try and get some more points?
0: 10, please. Question 10. Oh, at Dirty. The, at the end of the
1: story, what is the name of the sandwich that sounds pretty fucking good? It's, ch- it's a chicken sandwich. What's the name of the sandwich? The Do- I'll take the choices. Is it the Mega Chicken Munch? The Bacon Supreme? The Chicken Bacon Deluxe? Or the Royale with Cheese?
0: The Chicken Bacon
1: Deluxe. Correct, for one point. You do get the bonus, though. How much is it without gratuity? $18. Incorrect, it was $17. John, five or nine? Five, please. When cleaning up at the private game, what is the strangest thing Tim says he once found under a table? I guess I would have to be the the shoe. The single men's dress shoe for two points. And your bonus question in that game, what is the rake for a pot of more than $1,000? $50. Correct for the bonus. Joe, you get question nine. After the raid, what type of hotel does Tim stay at?
0: Holiday Inn. Specifically? Holiday Inn Express.
1: Correct. So you do get two points for your final question. That means a final score of six. But, John, you have a final score of 14. You have crushed it. Congratulations. You owned (laughs) Mr. Stapleton. (laughs) And you are the victor. Of this special edition of Superfan versus Stapes, and we will make sure you get an enhanced goodie bag filled with PokerStars
0: merch. And our well, guys, thank you, very much. undying appreciation for your mm-hmm. undying appreciation of what we do. Thank you. We yeah. we appreciate you very much, John.
3: And now you guys, you always bring a smile to my face every time I see you, and uh, that's why I follow you guys so so well. Because uh, you know I can always count on you guys. Appreciate Th- it.
0: Thank you, friend.
3: Thank you for taking the time to read the book and come on the show,
1: John. We will see you again soon. All right, take care.
0: All right, my babies, we're just about out of time for this week's show. Coming up in a couple of weeks' time, Tonka's on the show. We have never had Parker Talbot on this podcast. That is all going to change, like the patch on his shirt. Yeah. Time to get Tonka.
1: The weird thing is, I don't actually know the Tonka life story. I know of Tonka as a proficient player. I know of Tonka as a streamer. But I need to know more.
0: Hopefully, it's more than just like, yeah, no, I started playing in college. <laughs> like, let's try to get a little bit more out of him.
1: What we need is something that's kind of somewhere between that and Sam Grafton. Because if it's as intensive and as detailed as Sam Grafton's life story, we're going to need a bigger podcast.
0: We're going to need a bigger pod. Coming up next week, though, from Poker Stars to the Marvel Cinematic Universe with special guest Ryan Furpo. I can't even believe it. So excited for that. Uh, we still need some super fans coming up. We've got a bunch of episodes uh, from now until the uh, summer break. Uh, we're going to try to squeeze some more of you guys in there as well as book some folks for after that. Get your guest suggestions in. Comment on the show. Let us know what you thought of We Run Bad. Maybe you'll read it based on the glowing reviews of this week's episode. To do any of that, use the hashtag P-I-T-E, the acronym for Poker in. The ears that is all the time we have got for this week's show however until next time for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton smell you later